0: Hello! Just quickly before we jump into these prologue episodes, I apologise that this is going to be at the beginning of each one, but it's only there just for those that might need a little bit of world lore. We normally would be playing games in the Forgotten Realms and the Sword Coast, but we've decided for Campaign 2, I won't say anything about any of them going forward, but uh, we're going to be playing everything completely homebrew. So this world that we'll be playing in is known as Cordelia, and it's one that I've been writing over the last few years. Um, just to give you a brief idea of what Cordelia is, um, you can go over to our website 16candlekeeps.com and find the Cordelia page and it'll have a much more detailed breakdown of this on there as well as a map so you can see like the layout of at least Bowerheath, the main continent that we'll be using in this campaign for the moment. But the idea essentially is: once upon a time, long, long ago, there was an original party of adventurers known as the World Splitters. They essentially helped the gods to chain up Tharizdun, as Tharizdun was causing a lot of nightmares. And if you want to learn more about Tharizdun's history, by all means, go off and Google that. But that is the 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 pinnacle of where Cordelia was created as a plane of existence. As the leader of the world splitters was killed in that fight, um, his reward was essentially ascension to uh, deity uh, status, and therefore they decided that he would have his own plane of existence to be a deity of. Shortly after that, his uh, like his wife and his children became gods in the world and you can read a lot more as I say on our website there explain like the, a bit more about the pantheon of the world you can also read about a little more detailed about the history and the war that essentially was the beginning of Cordelia um, the 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 world is also a lot more fluid than the realms that you may have heard games in a lot of my dming style is to uh, accommodate the players wants and kind of ideas in the world so if there is a a, a want for something uh, like a i don't know a, an underground adventure there will be an underground part that may not currently exist in the world and will be added onto the world as well the joy of this is that the concept in world lore of this at the moment is it's in its fledgling years the game's going to be set 60 years after the 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 creation of the plane itself so they're they're still trying to find their legs as a civilization and as a plane but more of that later in the actual campaign itself you'll hear more of that um as we learn the world as well because i'll be writing the world a lot more across the uh, across the campaign as as they come to parts that may not be fully fleshed out at the moment that's it um you'll be hearing, as you'll know, um after this, the prologues for the main characters that'll be playing in campaign two and then hopefully you uh join us later on in September where we'll be doing the uh the campaign two big open and more madness to follow. But yeah, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. prologue episode. We're here with our lovely Miss Jade. How are we, Jade? I'm good, how are you? Yes, very good, thank you. Uh, You will not have heard this bit yet unless um, I've put it somewhere else, and I know that post-recording I haven't. I've done a little bit of an audio thing that just explains what the world is for like three minutes before this, and then the theme tune comes in. So I will be explaining throughout the, the game for yourself, because obviously this is the first time you've played here. Uh, like, world lore stuff that might be pertinent to what you're saying and what you're having uh, happen to you. But like for the audience and for yourself, like the other two, this is going to be a specific, um, your hometown, what's happening with your character and how they uh, how they end up getting to the beginning of episode one, which should be all going to plan next week, um, as I already made sure I said right literally before hitting record. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um... Is there anything that you might want to get get, um, on record now, Jade, before we jump into the main thing proper? Or do you want to just jump in and introduce us to the lovely new character we'll be experiencing for hopefully all of Campaign 2?
1: Hopefully. That would be really nice, wouldn't Hmm. it? Sash, you might regret those words as soon (laughs) as I talk in character. Um... (laughs) I mean, I loved
0: loved, um, Blanche Snowforge, so... uh, I had no problem with your worries there, so you can you can slow slowly kill me whichever voice you thinks going to. You know,
1: me. I'm a little bit fond of that voice myself. Um, it's <laughs> not. It's, it's more like a really preppy Californian version of that voice. Mm. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I think Adam said, "I want to kill her already." It was his oh, words. Boy.
0: So he yes. won't be coming as a guest at any point on the show, <laughs> unless you have an unfortunate accident with your current character.
1: <laughs> oh, I really hope not. Or he will be your unfortunate accident. <laughs> that would be very unfortunate indeed.
0: But yes, um, with that then, <laughs> shall we? Let's let's hear about this new character for campaign two. What what sort of? Sure. Their, what's their name? What race? What class are you going? What fun things would we know?
1: So I'm going back to my D&D roots. Um, the very first campaign I did, um, I was a pixie that Steve beautifully made up for me. Um, so I'm going back to that that build uh, before the new one is released in like September <laughs> by D&D. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to be a pixie again. I'm going back to my roots. Um, She's called Ilaria. L- oh, I don't even know if I can say my surname now. Ilaria <laughs> Lunula. Lun. How do you spell that last one? It's L-U-N-U-L-A. Lunula.
0: Okay. okay, cool. No, nice. Like it. I thought I'd spell it right, and then,
1: Bing. Yep. Win.
0: Anyway,
1: stumbled over it in my own name. It's a good start. Um, she is twelve years old. She is a pixie druid. Um, I have big plans for her if she survives long enough. (laughs) She's just very preppy, very full of life, very naive. Uh, For the UK listeners, I would describe her as that year six, just about to start high school, secondary school. She's that big fish, little pond, and suddenly she's at secondary school and everything's like, wait, what? I'm not that important anymore. It's the kind of naivety that she has. (laughs) Um, she's just all out for adventure she loves everything she loves light and life and happiness Um, I don't think she's had a single bad thing ever happen to her she's lived off of the stories that she's grown up hearing uh, in her hometown to look at she's five and a half inches tall <laughs> she's very small <laughs> uh, she's got yes yeah i'm half a subway guys half a subway sandwich um she's got blue and pink hair kind of galaxy style it melts from blue into pink um she has a birthmark on i believe it's her right cheek yeah her right cheek that is purpley blue that everybody bullied her for as a kid but actually as she's grown into an adult and become more and more obsessed with the night sky she's kind of seen oh my face kind of looks a little bit like a night sky um so occasionally she'll draw little white dots all over her cheeks to make it look like a galaxy <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> she's very very cute um yeah that's i think so- that's probably all i can say for now
0: no that's fine so Um, let's get into the world proper. I'll set up where your home is because for for our audience and for yourself, this is the first time hearing about this world. And also, for me, in the terrifying thing, I have to after slagging off Wizards of the Coast for all of last campaign, I now have to put my world on display and feel very scared if anyone goes, that's awful. Um, Anyway. Uh
2: Oh
0: Oh no, he copied that straight out of that book. Anyway. um, So, (laughs) For yourself, we have agreed that you are living in a very magically protected tree. Um, a bit like the grandfather tree in the Sword Coast. Um, the city or the town... I've not really worked that part out yet. Uh, but the, the, the settlement, probably the best way to call it, of Glayfair, um, which is named after the forest that it's surrounded in, or the forest is named after that, Um is mm-hmm. this huge uh, skyscraper of a tree that sits in the centre... Or, not actually, it sits on... I like it more. I recently did it, redid it in my head. I like it in a kind of, like, almost like the Grinch's home at the top of Mount... Um, uh, Mount What's-its-face? Anyway. Um, but, like, it's this huge tree that sits on this large cliff um, surrounded by the tree line that spreads around it um, to the east of... The rest of the isle spreading off as it sits on the western coast of Bowerheath. Um, it is magically protected by the dragon goddess Elverix, who lives there. Um, you, Alaria, uh, will know the 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 settlement as kind of like uh, this canopy uh, Ewok kind of setup, where like there are large branches that are big enough to hold a small village fate on the like the outcropping and the the leaves that make this kind of large pad that they work on and then there's like rope branch kind of uh, ladders and walkways that lead up to other branches and into nooks and crevices of the tree itself which apparently further up which nobody really goes too far upon the dragon lives right near the top in the centre of the wood like a large squirrel um, it, love that it, uh, for, for a, a thing that um, will need to be said for our audience members uh, this is a more oriental dragon rather than the more famous depictions of the, the large four legged two wings more lizard like I think it, it is how they normally are in the books themselves or more wyvern based in the, the films uh, and the, the the books themselves whereas this dragon is more of your like spirited away um the, never ending the, story never ending story the snake like uh behir is probably uh, if you want to look in the monster manual and change from d to b, look at the behir and imagine <laughs> that as a dragon um but yes um you will also know, and I have stolen this completely from your original pixie because it's i like the idea that they live like this um you will be aware that there is the 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 settlement of Glafair is looked after by the Moonkist, which is the the King or queen of glayfair or and is also the same role throughout the planes of existence where the Pixies live, their leader would be referred to as the Moonkist queen or king um, your moon-kist, your moonkist is an wood elf by the name of Calavan Fawn um, who is middle-aged, so she's about 500-600 years old now. Um, Mm -hmm. She has no sign or intent of stepping down, but you would be aware of the process of the Moonkist, where as you come of age, you go off to prove yourself worthy of being a Moonkist member, uh, by proving yourself in a feat of heroism, or going off and uh, helping a local area, and when you come back and you have proven yourself in that right, if the current Moonkist would step down, then those people who have passed the rite would be able to put themselves forward for coronation, and there's a another rite of process to try and work out who replaces them. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, so, you are 12 years old, you live in this yeah. wonderful, um, wonderful kind of uh, almost storybook tree with a dragon at the top, and... Loads of different kind of elven and wood-like creatures and races are all living interspersed throughout these trees and branches. Um, For your notes, because I know you're a very uh, avid note-taker, you are on, the date that I wrote down for this would be the 42nd of spring, uh, Dawn's Light. Which is exactly the same as uh, for our previous campaign, um, Abyssal Demise, but in this world where it hasn't had to deal with what happened the other side of um, the, the Abyssal War. This is yep. the this is a world that came out of the Abyssal War and uh, refers to the beginning of their time as Dawn's Light, and it's been uh, 62 years since uh, their their, resp- their um. Since their birth of of their plane, so forty second of spring sixty two dawns light It's the full date that I had to remember to say oh there you go um so what would as a regular day to day uh Ilaria be doing?
1: Oh, she'd totally be climbing trees, scuffing her knees up, throwing her boomerang around <laughs> at targets that she's made um up in her little canopy tree top little play area that she's accidentally made for herself (laughs) excellent
0: i like it so you have like your own little tree house in the middle of these massive tree houses that exist across the the tree yeah it's your like little getaway
1: Um, yeah i like that um you know like kids run away to a little park around the corner from their house it's the equivalent of that
0: yeah cool um i'm going to say uh, it kind of leans into that thing that you were saying uh, earlier about her where she's not never had to she's never had to discuss or deal with nasty things in her world because the world um as bowhee uh, at least knows it doesn't know where glayfair is so um to explain that for our audience members um something i was meant to say that bit essentially the the dragon that lives at the top of uh glayfair the tree Um, or Glayfair the Settlement, if you want to refer to it that way, um, has a protection of charm around the about a mile vicinity of the the tree line and the coast that sits um, around Glayfair the tree itself. So nobody can enter it unless they are chaperoned by a member or a a citizen of Glayfair. Nobody can, uh, if you have to play a bit on the, the old... Uh, mechanics if anyone has evil alignment they cannot enter and even neutral people have to have a chaperone and uh, the person who is the chaperone is held responsible for the actions of that person when entering so you would only ever have seen people who live in Glayfair, you wouldn't be aware of uh certain a- you would have heard the stories from moon coming back and like telling tales of what they did but you wouldn't Yourself uh, have ever bumped into. I imagine in this area there won't be many dragonborn. Um, there's a lot more hill dwarves, wood elves, um, kind of your your more rural kind of in, in a in a very weird cut. it's kind of it's very Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, there, you were, you've never seen an orc apart from the drawings that people have come back with um the few half orcs that you've met are just they look like normal uh, people to you rather than like these big brutish monsters that are written in the mm-hmm. books um but yeah um so i'm gonna go with that's my first thing that what i would bring in as a story driver um there is a new arrival in the settlement um, as you've been playing around in the tree line and you've been having target practice and just generally enjoying a very warm, lovely spring's morning, um, there's kind of a, like a, a bit of an excitement around the local area as people are talking about there's this new uh, visitor who's come in somehow passed through the charm, and some of the uh, the clerics who have uh, investigated their like their intent and such. Have noticed that they don't seem to fit the criteria for people who can pass through the charm without guidance. Um, But you're not sure what's happened there yet, Um, you're welcome to go off and explore that. Or if you'd like to go somewhere else or go visit other people, we can play those out. Or if there's just like a you want to describe what sort of things you might do, by all means do.
1: No, if she's heard whispers of some stranger coming into the town, she would flutter as close <laughs> as she could excellent. without being seen.
0: <laughs> I have worked out how to get your character killed every episode now. <laughs> 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 um, excellent. So I reckon, would you be, would you be trying to be sur- surreptitious about it or would you be just outright trying to get there?
1: Oh no, she would be hiding. She would know that that's not her place. She shouldn't be there, but she would want to be there. It would be her curiosity that drives her completely.
0: That's fine. And and another thing, um, I said it in the first one, and it'll probably be the same with uh, Liam's one as well. Um, I'm trying to make this more of a conversation rather than an actual we'll roll dice and see if you pass and stuff. So this is a bit more RP-based rather than uh, rolls. And then you can blame all the rolls on the campaign and not what happened now. Because you know everyone's a badass in their backstory, or at least they get everything they want in their backstory.
1: <laughs> I mean, my new dice have already given me a twenty today.
0: Ooh, that's lovely. I mean, I rolled, mm-hmm. I rolled my campaign two dice, and uh, you guys are gonna survive every encounter. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, so you start to slink around the areas, and you know little cubby holes where people won't look for you, uh, and you, when you've been, you're almost like the hide and seek champion of the kids around the area.
2: Yeah, um, I
0: am. And as you, uh, uh, it's almost fitting that you like most wood elves because uh, the pixie race that you're playing is based off uh, like a, a variant of a wood elf. Um, mm-hmm. You have, I believe you have Mask of the Wild. Um,
1: uh, I believe I peach,
0: do. Uh, so it's that one way you can basically hide yep. in natural phenomena so it fits perfectly with your character that you can just yep. use like a, a branch that's off off-angle that uh, somehow your shadow catches it and stuff
1: i like to think i could disguise myself as a, a flower mm. with all my coloring
0: yeah you're, you're very much look like a like a uh, a blossoming bud uh if, yeah. if you sit still for too long which i don't think Ilaria has ever done but just a <laughs> thought like the brief 15 minutes we've talked about her like i don't think she's ever done it <laughs>
1: At school, maybe, but no. <laughs>
0: Under strict <laughs> duress, probably. Um, <laughs> so you head down to this large, kind of like there's a a, a meeting place where several of the branches kind of curve round, almost like the tree is holding out a platter where like loads of different like large leaves and such uh, come to go to form a, a almost like a fate area. Um, it's like a small village green, if you will. Um, and there are a lot of people milling back and forth, and they're just those people just heading back and forth in their day-to-day work. Like they're very much the sort of settlement that no money is really needed in Glayfair uh, because everyone does. Oh, you, sew, you sewed my, uh, my my shirt back together. I'll uh, I'll get you an extra couple of carrots when I uh, reap the harvest this uh, this month and stuff like that. Nice. So it's, it's one of those very rural kind of. Um, Uh, modular kind of areas it's probably the best way to say it where everyone kind of feeds one another and it's the the greater good but um, you head down and you can see that there's kind of almost a, uh, a fervent kind of like birthday kind of feel for you especially as she's only 12 it feels like you're going to someone's birthday party as you see all these people milling around and there's this one table Near the end of the the kind of like the green area that looks on this beautiful drop that you can see the tree line of Glayfair spreading out ahead of you and you can see birds and stuff flying past, but um, you can see this congregation of about ten or fifteen uh, kind of elderly folk of the you know a couple of the clerics and you can see one or two of the parents who are there and they're all clucking around this very small, very kind of harassed in some respects dragonborn child um it looks to be about seven or eight years old so it's very small still very skinny and uh, not a lot of muscle on it like the stories and the pictures you would have seen of dragonborn where they've got to their full height and like muscle this one looks almost like a puppy of a dragon um uh, blue skin (laughs) with green flecks that run from their eyes, almost like mascara or like eyeshadow shadow that's kind of ran a bit too far after a long night. It's running up towards their ears um, and has um, kind of like very f- feathery kind of hair. It's almost like, rather than scales at the top of its hair, uh, the Dragonborn has actual feathers for hair jutting out of its scalp. And they're all different kind of plumes of like pinks and oranges and reds. And it's just sat in the centre, looking wide-eyed and terrified at everyone who keeps talking around it, um, and just keeps nodding gently. And you get closer and closer, and you can basically hear that this uh, small dragonborn by the name of Rolo um, has got in because Rolo is uh, trying to find um, a new home and has been lost since there was a there was an accident at their village uh, a couple of. Miles travel out of Glayfair.
1: So sad.
0: Nobody pays you much mind. Uh, they're very much just uh, expecting you to uh, kind of flit around the way you would normally. Um, <laughs> so you're welcome to like go right. off a...
1: <laughs> child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They're kind of in that kind of way, and I think Ilario probably have that mindset as well. Of that thing of, like, the parents are doing a parent conversation, so they're too busy doing parent stuff to actually notice that you're there sort of thing. um, Which you sometimes use to your advantage. Um, But, uh, yeah, you're welcome to do whatever you'd like in this scene. As I say, it's almost like they're congregating around the dragonborn, but they're kind of leaving them to themselves at this point.
1: Um, Okay, Uh, she would flitter... Like float down right yeah. behind—is uh, it Rolo or Rollo? Yeah. Sorry. Uh,
0: Rollo is the way to uh, Rollo. It's cool. spelt Rolo, but it's uh, said Rollo.
1: Cool. Um, <clears throat> she, so yeah, she would float down right behind him, so that she's still out of view, yeah. and then just out of nowhere, speak quite clearly. It's
2: a pretty boring our day. <laughs> Hi. I'm a L'Oreal.
0: And you you see it, like you could sense the entire body just kind of tense on the little <laughs> dragonborn in front of you. And again, they're only about like three or four foot tall as a, just a, a, a baby dragonborn. Um, and you just hear...
1: Still a giant compared to me. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: like completely ridiculously oversized. But um, because you're <laughs> hidden behind and they didn't spot you coming in, you just hear are you are you my conscience
2: <laughs> no
1: silly i'm a pixie and then she'll appear and flitter around in front of him
0: and as you flit around in front of rollo uh, there is a moment where you see um the the scared look in his eyes kind of go to a, a look of wonder and then his kind of mouth starts to open up and you see these very big dragon like teeth uh, sticking out and a very lizard like mouth uh, and his feathers on his head kind of raise up a bit like a cockatoo um he just looks at you, wow,
1: you're like she would look no, up Sorry, she would tap his teeth. she's absolutely fascinated by his teeth
0: he, he just completely allows you to do whatever <laughs> you're doing like, wow
1: you're
0: you're like a you're like a mini dragon, but like a human dragon, but not a dragon.
2: What are you? become like a dragon that's so cool oh i know we're gonna be friends um i'm i'm a pixie have you never seen a pixie before
0: um are they like the fairy dragons and he raises his hand and nobody's paying attention at this point you two are just having a conversation as the elderly folk around you are just chatting and he raises his left hand and he just looks at it very intently and as he does a small like little arcane image of a fairy dragon appears in his hand yeah uh, you can see this almost the same size as you uh elaria and looks exactly like a pixie but if your human or elven body was actually the body of a dragon um, and it has like nice bluish pink scales and it looks almost like your hair has been turned into scales on this dragon and it it, it looks for all intents and purposes uh, as if a dragonborn and an elf have somehow made this weird concoction.
2: They're oh, one of those. They look so
0: cool. Oh, they're very powerful. Um, Mum never said I was allowed to play with them, though, because they lead you back to the Wild, and the Feywild is where the, the, the problems happen, so we don't go to the Wild. Though Mum probably went to the Wild because I haven't seen her in a while. Oh,
2: um. I mean, the Wild can be quite tricksy sometimes. That's half of the fun of it, though. Um, you haven't seen your mum?
0: No, we were we were camping, and um, there was a bear, but the bear had an owl for a face, and it it came up, and Dad was really sort sort of upset with the 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 bear because he had he had done something to the campsite, so we wouldn't have to deal with the bear. And then the bear came, and the bear didn't want to be there, but he also wasn't happy that we were there. So the bear kind of did a bit of a growl, and then Dad did his magic thing where he turns into a, 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 like a monster, and he he turned he turned into like a big scary one uh, and chased the bear away. And then he was gone for a while, so Mum told me to wait by the fire and keep it going. And then I I was I was watching. The fire, and Mum went off to find him, and she used her magic one, where she turns into a bird and flies up so she can see and and he wasn't there um but uh, and then I fell asleep, and I woke up, and the fire wasn't there, and th- they weren't there, so I went to look for them, and he just looks at you as if this is all normal no <laughs>
2: oh, yum, yum, yum parents they're they're both druids i think so
0: i just know they really like to turn into animals um
2: i want to do that when i'm bigger too
0: can you do the can you um and it's at this point i'll ask for not a role but what sort (laughs) of spells does um know as level one druid
1: (laughs) um Damaging ones. <laughs> she um so um cantrip wise she's got Thorn Whip and shilela and then um spell wise she's got Healing Word because she's sensible, <laughs> um but also Thunder Wave.
0: Excellent. Um, <laughs> it's at this point that he'll turn <laughs> to you and go, um, can you do? Can you do the the thing that sometimes Dad can do it when he gets into a sticky situation? He will uh, he will he will click his fingers at something and like. A whole short like, uh, like he he throws a rope of stuff at them and it snaps on the end of the the, the nose of the thing and it runs away.
1: And she'll just look at him blankly, and like tilt her head in that curiosity way and go, "No, well maybe I don't know. I can I can like I can do this." And then she'll just she'll pick a, as close an empty space as she can and she'll just do thorn whip and show him.
0: Okay. Yes, that, that. But yours, oh, yours is much greener. Dad's is always a little kind of like it looks like the, uh, the 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 rope looks a little more dark and black rather than your nice green one that you did. Um, like
2: brambles.
0: Yeah, like brambles.
2: Ooh, ouch! That would hurt. There. Oh, um, um. The other one that I discovered I could do, I'm not allowed to do this one, so I won't show you. But I sneezed once, and there was a big. Boom! And then suddenly, like there was, everybody was like rocking back and forth because it was really loud.
0: <laughs> and he, he just looks at you with like the deepest sense of awe. He's like, "That's so cool! Can I?" Ah, I, oh, I, I can do um. And he he looks really shy at this point. I um, I can do things that make it easier for me to. Uh, blend in um, and he kind of takes a moment and as you're watching him you don't really notice it as it's happening but then uh, you blink your eyes and one moment there was this small dragonborn sat there and now there's a young dwarf sat in the exact same space with the same kind of coloured hair where the feathers were the skin's got like a cold look to it to make that kind of blue scales uh, but the, everything else looks like a just a normal dwarf child is sat looking at you and then he opens his mouth in the exact same way, and you hear Rollo's voice come out. I and, mean, yeah, because people seem to not like um, the dragonborns uh, that were, that I used to live with. I don't know why. They liked them in Toron, but they don't like them anywhere else, and I don't know why.
2: I've, I've never seen one before, but I think you're really cool. I think
0: you're really cool. Aw, um, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, and it's at this point um uh, as uh, as he he kind of leans forward and he starts going i'm i'm trying to go on an adventure because my um my hero uh, unfortunately he 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 passed away recently but um i'm going to the big city to 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 to, to, to go re- replace him because they need heroes uh and dad was going there as well and mum was kind of thinking about it but um but she was also thinking that she might not do it because she prefers to, 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 to make sure people are okay rather than going off and causing problems like Dad does. Um,
2: but your mum made sure your dad was okay, right? So that's still an important job.
0: Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, we were going to we were going to the other side of the of of uh, of, of the continent, but then we got lost. Uh, like I said, we were travelling and we were trying to get out of the forest um and 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 we kept getting lost.
2: Um so how you got in here? Yeah, I just kind of wondered.
0: I'm trying to get to and he pulls um out of one of his bags that he's got, he pulls a, a small scroll which has a map of the island on it. And it's got a couple of places marked, but it doesn't have the, the vast range of every place that you would have seen on the map I've shared with you guys and the map that's mm-hmm. on our website that we're putting up. Um uh It just points at one on the far eastern coast um which looks like this big kind of city almost like water deep in comparison to like another existing um area that people will know and be able to uh reference um but yeah the, this is the 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 capital of Bauerheath, and we were going there because there's apparently a call to action for any heroes there might be one in to do some work
2: for heroes.
0: Yeah? Are you a hero?
2: I wish I was here. I want to be a hero, though. I really like to see new places. I've never seen outside the tree.
0: There are some nice places and there are some not so nice places. It depends what sort of thing you like, I
2: guess. I really like the stars.
0: Oh, there's some very nice starscapes. Um, I imagine, and he looks up further up the tree he goes i imagine if you went to the top of this tree you'd see some really nice stars
2: sometimes you have to be careful where you go though
0: <laughs> and he just smiles at you and um that is the first time you meet one of the outsiders of uh, of of the, the settlement yeah um, and an <laughs> a, an immediately fan favorite i'm sure that uh, I will never have to. I'll never have to worry if Rolo should come back. It would be more a case of when should he come back, <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and also never hurt him. <laughs>
1: no, he's precious.
0: Uh, but okay, so that's just like a a, a random day in in your uh, your your settlement. What sort yep. of other things do you reckon would happen around Alaria's time there? Um, for a rough idea of where I'd be looking to go with this, um, the meeting for the beginning of episode one will be on the end of the week, which would be the 45th of spring. So you've got three days if you wanted to play with anything that happens in the future that actually leads you out, or if you wanted to go, like, further into the past, uh, and play around with slightly younger stuff that might interact with you, by all means, we can do that as well.
1: Um i think that from the moment she met him all of her spare time would be sneaking out and no longer playing in her little park area but like hanging out with him and hearing about the outside because she's just totally obsessed with everything new um and then if he does go off to to leave this place in search of becoming a hero that would be her moment she would follow him she okay. would escape that way. She would literally be that annoying mum, 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 can I, can I, can I kind of <laughs> energy the whole time.
0: So I think you, 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 you've got the, 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 the makings of that escape, as you say, with him there. So it'd probably be that in my head um, that there is a, a discussion across the, 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 the settlement of whether they should allow Roller to stay, or if they should uh, they should uh, exile him. Um, there is talk across the settlement where there is worries that if he goes back to his original settlement, he might lead more back to. And there's a very kind of like scared, kind of practical response, but there's also a uh, a very um, like welcoming response as well, where people are more Inclined to the fact that this child has wandered in and has no home at the moment, and has even said as such that he doesn't know where his parents are, and it would be it would be very, very uh, unkindly of them to send him back out into the world. Um, as as a citizen there, how do you reckon they would respond? Like, what what would your ideal outcome be for Rollo? He
2: would.
1: Obviously, the the initial, let's call them a council, <laughs> yeah. would would definitely be worried. They'd be fearsome um, that he managed to break through the charms to be able to get in in the first place. That I think that would be their main concern. I don't think they'd see him as a threat yeah. so much because he, as you said, he's he's a child. <laughs> um, I think most of the the people would be quite nervous around him because he's quite new, but then I think Ilaria's enthusiasm would start rubbing off on the children, definitely.
2: Yeah.
1: I see her as being quite influential. (laughs) Not in a she's the popular kid way, but in a everybody loves her because she's too bubbly Mm -hmm. kind of way. Excellent. Um, And I think Ilaria's parents would probably take take him under their wing a little bit I think
0: yeah
1: Okay. So irony of then... using take them under their wing when we're so small and have wings <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah no I definitely feel like there would be a group of them that would come together and be like a parental council new family for him without being family okay. like the, the distant aunts and uncles that you've never met <laughs> okay excellent.
0: um um, so, I think, because uh, looking at it, you never realise how quick time flies when you're having such fun. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for the probably the penul- penultimate scene, if not the last scene of this episode, because mm-hmm. we've explored some of your history and uh, how it's moving towards that getting out mm-hmm. into the world. Um, yeah. So, Rollo shares with you his pride and joy um, over the first night or two of knowing you, um, which is this book... And it looks like your really old-school, like, fairy-tale tome, where it's got the nice leather-bound, and it's got these, like, really beautifully kind of uh, embossed golden filigree pieces across it. Um, And the text across the front of it is the story of the, uh, the Amethyst Conclave. And in the book, it explores loads of... Weird fairy tale creatures like a Sphinx and like the, the, this weird kind of beholder which seems to be more friendly than this monstrous thing that people have heard of. And you, you see this kind of the, a load of different creatures that you've only ever heard like bad things about all in this large council known as the Amethyst Conclave which seems to look after the, the the flow of magic from different planes into the other planes where people live and use those magics. And they seem to be very much the people that make sure that the nasty magics don't come in and affect certain areas, but they do also allow it so that they don't disrupt. Almost in that kind of like um, the TVA allow the bad things to happen because <laughs> it's written. And it needs to happen for this to happen. Yep. So the, the bad people get as much magic as the good people, but they they also make sure that the bad magic doesn't go to the good people and therefore causes problems. Um, right. And it's a load of different like little stories about how they do this. And the story that Rollo keeps showing you like every night without fail over the, the two nights that uh, will probably lead up to the last night where you leave um, are these? Uh, he will read this this one story about the Amphis Conclave making um, these kind of heroes items, and one of them he reckons would be the druids um, the the druids kind of like magic item to make sure that they were always the power most powerful druid, and also meant that they would be able to look after any creature that came into their like purview and it's essentially um, this beautiful kind of headdress um, that looks like it's probably made out of either silver or um, mithril and it has loads of little different coloured uh, kind of gems and baubles in it and each of them apparently hold different spell slots and different like types of magic, which allows the druid who wears it to in basically increase their magical output and also their potency of what they can do already. Um, oh. And Rollo essentially has this whole like big idea that when he gets out of um, when he gets out into the world and he's big enough to do it he's going to go find one of these items and he's probably going to try get that for his mum. Which leads to the scene (laughs) of you leaving. Okay. So. It's probably, so as I say, (laughs) three nights and then the the night that the meeting would happen um, Mm -hmm. is the 45th. I believe just a week meeting yes um, so the the 40th, the morning of the 45th you've had another lovely night chatting over these things and rollo seems a little more mischievous than usual now that he's been kind of allowed in and he wakes up before you
2: <laughs>
0: and he start he's already he's left a note saying he's climbing the tree and as you, I imagine you'd probably follow him in your, your usual way. Um, mm-hmm. You follow him up and he's gone. The signs that you, you're immediately picking up his tracking and stuff like that. As a, a, a Even as a young druid, you know the signs of someone traveling without trying to cover their tracks and stuff. Um, and you can see that he's gone past the point where anyone normally really climbs the tree.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What would Alaria do at that point?
1: Um, I I think if he'd left a note saying that he was climbing the tree, for all she'd be excited and go and follow him. She would also say to her mum, Yeah, she'd be a proper mummy's girl before she left, and <laughs> she would say, "I'm gonna go and chase him because he's climbing the tree." Um, which I I think would immediately make mum's alarm bells go off. <laughs> why Probably, Why is he yeah. trying to climb the tree? Um. <laughs> So yeah, I think that would be, and then Ilaria would start panicking as soon as she gets to the point of, like, oh, he shouldn't be up here, (laughs) because it's one of those unwritten rules. As kids, you're not allowed to climb that high. (laughs) So yeah.
0: Okay, Um, so you've told your mum that you're going out this way. You've seen that he's gone further. Would you still follow him up the tree further, though? Just double checking.
1: I think she would, because she'd see it as a heroic act of trying to stop him. And tell him, no, you've gone too far. (laughs) And try and pull him back. So not only to save him, but also to to go, no, you're breaking the rules. (laughs) You've only been here three days. Don't mess this up.
0: So you start to climb up the tree, following him up, and you're using a mixture of like kind of lifting yourself through the brambles and stuff, and also flitting around on your own wings, because you have the ability of flight, so why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And it's as you get about it's been about half an hour or an hour or so that you you start to get to a point where you have now lost track of him. Like, even with your ability looking around, um, you can't see the, the tracks of where he's gone. You go back to the point where you last saw the tracks and then you start to get a little befuddled and lost yourself along the tree line of was it the next branch down that I saw that that snap that I think was him and was it this part? And then you can hear two voices as you, you've you been uh, kind of flitting from branch to branch trying to find where you are. And you've not really been paying attention to whereabouts you are. You've just been checking from branch to branch. And you realise now that you hear these voices that you've actually gone further up than you had actually intended somehow. It's almost mm. like the magic that sits at the top of the tree has kind of thrown you off as well. Not literally. Don't throw someone off a tree. But no, yeah. <laughs> but, That's
1: dangerous. Don't do it. <laughs>
0: um only trained professionals like rogues can do that. Um anyway. Um but you, you, you can hear these two voices and one of them is definitely Rollo and the other one seems to be a very like silken, soft spoken, very kind of warm toned voice. It sounds female. Um <laughs> And you can just hear—it uh, sounds a bit like they're chatting about this book that um, Rollo has been uh, showing you for the last two nights. And it's almost like he's—he's he's very excited and fervently explaining the story of the Amethyst Conclave to this other person. And they're very—in that—it sounds almost like they're in that kind of paternal way of going, "Yes, dear, yes, that's—that's that's very good." But also, it sounds like they're interested, not just pushing it away. Mm-hmm. Do you go further?
1: No, she'd earwig. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's already got herself lost and turned around. She would just (laughs) sit and listen.
0: (laughs) So you sit and listen and you hear this conversation. It's about the time way normally gets to the the magic items uh, near the end of the story that uh, you hear the soft spoken voice go, Now, Rollo, it's time to put the book down. And I think it's time that you go and find your magic items. Because I think that you have a lot of potential. And I'd very much like to help you find that potential and those magic items. And Rollo, you can hear that kind of almost like yapping of a, uh, almost, turns almost childlike in uh, the, uh, not really saying words, but making noises in that excited manner. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and I've got this magic item over here that'll be able to help you if you'd like me to help you do it. And just so I don't go through a whole thing, we're off that, would there be any response from Alara?
1: You should just be really confused as to who the voice is and why they're so high in the tree. <laughs> um... I don't know. I think she would. She would be quite suspicious of hearing that. Okay.
0: Do you reckon you would try to get a, a better look at what's going on, or do you, would you still stay hidden and uh, just listening at this point?
1: I think she'd try to be concealed, but she'd maybe try and creep closer to see what's happening. Okay.
0: Um, so, because again, not doing roles, we're not doing. Uh, it's. Going with how the story builds up, um, mm-hmm. you you sneak in, and you're using the shadows of the the branches and such. And again, that kind of like that ability to just stand still and become part of the tree. And um, as you get closer and closer, you can see that there's this Alven woman, and she has these beautiful golden locks falling either side of her. This kind of dark verdant green uh, robe with loads of silver chains hanging off different appendages and uh, bits on the uh, the robe itself. Um, she has like a, 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 a rosy kind of complexion to her face um, and she looks very young but also just at the point of youth where it's just before adulthood but still got those kind of childlike features. Mm. But also the voice sounds... Thousands of years old, as she old, speaks. Old, yeah. And you can see that they're they're walking over to this large uh, kind of loom at the end of the this kind of makeshift uh, you know, living area that seems to be cut into the tree itself. And you can see there's like little wooden logs that are sat around a table for like seating. And you can see there's like a bookshelf and uh, a small like uh, half which has. Like a glowing orange orb in the centre rather than actual fire, but it seems to be letting out warmth. And you can see that this, this uh, Elven woman is guiding Rollo over to this loom and starts sh- like picking different strings and you can hear uh, her continuing going, This is the loom of life. And the loom of life allows me to weave whatever stories need to be told. And I've already been working on yours. And she runs a finger up one or two darker blue strings that sit between some oranges and some greens. And you can see as it goes up um, and then around it into the contraption itself. And you can see a tapestry seems to continually spread out the side of this machine. Almost like a printer printing the tapestry once she's weaved the, uh, the, the threads into the pattern that it needs to be and hmm. it, it seems to just go on forever somehow like the, there's an only an infin, there's only a finite amount of space in the space that you're looking into but it seems to stretch on forever as you look at it and it's almost like that perception trick that it actually is going off further in the distance rather than it getting smaller but it's in the same place sort of thing
2: oh, illusion
0: <laughs> and you can see that there's loads of different things happening on this uh, tapestry that's Uh, going off into the distance and one or two of the bits you can see you recognize as you and rollo having a conversation and you can see just before that rollo and these two larger dragonborns around a campfire and an owl bear coming in behind them and you can see loads of different things happening in this tapestry with loads of hundreds of thousands of different people seeming to have these little like uh, moments on the tapestry itself and she she just looks down at rollo and goes again i can send you on your way and as you can see and she lifts a piece of parchment you're going to become a very powerful very very strong hero you just need to make the right decisions on the road to it and he just holds this piece of parchment and the you can see from the side of his uh, his side profile that same look of awe that he gave you when he first saw you and he looks completely like excited and in awe of what's he's, what he's seeing on the, the the parchment and she just looks down to him pats him gently on the head as would you like to go and be a hero rollo and rollo just looks up in a, and you can see a small tear starting to fall down the side of his face looks I think I'm ready to go find mum and dad and save them, yeah. And she smiles. And the last stroke that she does, his entire form turns into what looks from your perspective like thousands upon thousands of fireflies replace the shape of Rollo and then slowly start to disperse a little so that the form of Rollo now looks like a load of different little dots of light and then they start to coalesce and swirl and move up towards the loom at the top, and you can see that more thread starts to grow at the top of it.
1: Creepy and cool all at once.
0: (laughs) A moment passes, and she just watches the the energy flow up to the top of the loom. She stands and she brushes her, her robe down. She Gently starts to pad around and sits down and lifts a gentle piece of china off the table and takes a sip of her drink And then without looking at your direction or without saying anything other than what the next sentence is, she goes I think it's very impressive, your powers For such a young druid
1: She would gasp Cough and then come into view properly and bow. I think she would recognise the authority in the lady's voice.
0: And she she smiles as you come in and bow towards her, and she nods her head gently in a kind of like acknowledgement of the bow. Alaria, if I remember rightly. A really
1: shy nod of the head. And
0: you've never seen this woman before. Um Don't worry about your friend, Alaria. he's gone off to find his story. As everyone who comes up here normally does, those that go back down without finding their story normally find themselves coming back up any time later. And you've made your way up here now, so I'll ask you the same question. Would you like to find your story, Alaria?
2: It entail adventure and stars.
0: May I? And she stands up and walks towards you and places a ha- offers her hand out. I won't hurt you and I won't do what I've just done to Rolo without your permittance. May I check your story?
1: And she'll like enthusiastically nod.
0: <laughs> um, that's because of your size difference, I reckon, rather than place your hand in her hand, you just land on her hand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just sit in it. <laughs>
0: and she she closes her eyes and smiles gently as she she kind of and you can feel her hand is warm to the touch, but it's not clammy and sweaty. It's just that kind of nice kind of. It's almost like weirdly, it's like laying in a in a bed just after you've taken the sheets out of the tumble dryer sort of thing. Um, it's very nice and soft and cosy, um, and you feel this kind of sense of energy flowing through you, and she opens her eyes and smiles wider towards you and go, now I can't promise that your story is going to end the way it should, because I can only weave what happens at the time, but I can see a very powerful archfey at the end of your thread.
2: Like a queen,
0: and she flicks her other hand that you're not sat on, um, mm. and you see images that you've seen in books before. You see Queen Titania. you see uh, the, the the Lord uh, Oberon, you see the the, the Winter's Grasp, uh, which is one of the more kind of ice domain uh, Elven lords of the uh, of the Feywild, and you see all these sudden like uh, like almost almost like a projector has popped up out of nowhere and is showing you these images of different archfey that have been known across the world. And the last one that pops up is where the rest of them are all five or six foot tall. This one seems to be, when you blink, five or six foot tall and then five or six inches tall. And Hmm. you can see your own being stood there but you can also see what looks like it's almost like the stories that you've read up of the aladrin but it looks like an aladrin that is all of the all of the seasons at once so their hair is kind of this beautiful verdant green for spring their skin is this kind of dappled yellow for for the summer as it comes down to these kind of very uh, blackened and kind of uh, bluish nails and uh, almost like you, you, your form in the five foot, six foot form that is being portrayed is, e- as I say, each of the the seasons uh, in one body rather than falling through the seasons as they land. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get there yet, but I can see your future has very. Very interesting outcome
2: do i get to do I get to say goodbye to Mom and Dad before I go?
0: My dear you already did
1: and it's like a look of wonder on her face, like yeah, you're right, she did. <laughs> <laughs> My name,
0: she says uh, as as she takes in your look and she has that kind of knowing smile. My name is Alverix. I am the goddess of life of all of Cordelia. I weave the stories of every being that enters our realms and make sure that their time runs as smoothly as it should and your story and she walks over towards the loom where you would seen her take it roll over and mm-hmm. she flicks one thicker golden piece of thread your story won't let me unravel it just yet but i've seen the start and she gestures to the tapestry uh, just at the edge of the point where the loom kind of lets out this tapestry flowing into somehow like a weird quantum space. And you can see the image of Rollo meeting and you hiding in the background. And also a moment where this conversation is happening right next to it as you both look up to the loom. He's not hurt. I've not done anything to him. He's currently... I believe, wandering around and she closes her eyes and focuses. He's wandering around the Carrion Desert and he's just made a group of friends and they're about to take their first quest as a group of adventurers. And he's grown into quite the Dragonborn, and she smiles at you as she opens her eyes. Time works differently in the loom.
2: That is some very powerful magic.
0: And if you manage to get to, and she gestures back into this kind of like weird congregation in the room, and <laughs> you get to your end, I think you may be able to do such magic yourself.
2: No. I'm not that cool.
0: You are, though. No, you're very special. And she she um, takes a moment and says, Can you close your eyes for me, Hilaria? She
1: does what she's told.
0: <laughs> and she closes her eyes with you, and as she does, she sends an image into your head, and you see yourself. And if I somehow get this, in a hundred or so episodes, I swear to God, I'm the greatest DM that have existed. <laughs> but you see I'm yourself not promising
1: anything as a PC. <laughs> I'm not promising
0: anything as a DM. <laughs> but if it <laughs> happens, my God, um, you see yourself in a large ruined temple, and there's strands of like vines and creepers hanging from rotting rock and rock and debris that seems to make this kind of underground forgotten temple to werewolves and you can see at the end of the the, this uh, area you can see this huge bestial uh, kind of humanoid sat with a pot belly he has a waistcoat that shouldn't be on as it seems to be 18 sizes too small he has a great axe in one hand and he's holding this large kind of like paw kind of gauntlet on the other and as he clicks his fingers, he grows in size and becomes this l- bipedal boar kind of of a of a creature, but it's more bear-like in features. And then as he roars forward towards you, and you turn to one side and you can see this dragonborn to the right of you, and you turn to the left and you see this Alvin kind of very cocky, smarmy smile, looking ready as he flicks for a couple of cards in his hands. And he looks at you and goes, Alaria, I think it's time for you to change again. And you smile back at him. And you just let the energy wave through you. And as you kind of stretch back, wings that have been there for all your life become hardened and less butterfly-like. You drop down into a, a kind of all fours position as scales start to jut out of your arms. And an adult red dragon now stands in your place as you cast a shape change spell. And you then bling, you kind of, a moment of like, oh! as you, you, you kind of see this happen. And as you take the de- deep breath in, you open your eyes again and you're back in the, this kind of weird room that you've been in and she's smiling at you. Uh, as I said, a very powerful archfey is in your future.
1: just giggles really nervously
0: (laughs) so I will ask you the question that I asked Rollo: are you ready to take on your adventure
2: oh I thought my answer was really obvious Yes, yes 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 please yes and she'll just like excitedly flutter
1: around in circles
0: and she will, she will <laughs> smile at you, and she'll uh kind of let, remove her hand from underneath you, and you stay in place, spinning around like a a little spinning top in the air. And she brings her hands either side of you, and you feel again that warmth as she focuses her energy. And you, the last thing you hear as you see these kind of like glowing lights start to appear around you as you turn into like a collection of uh, fireflies as well, is. I expect great things. Good luck. And the lights kind of coalesce around you and kind of blindfold you almost with light. And the next thing you see is the lights shed away. You are on the outskirts of this large camp. There's a load of different tents and people milling around and there are loads of people you like, different races you've only ever heard of. So you see the half-orcs, and you see the dragonborn, and you see, like, these dwarves with their big, huge beards, and, like, you can see there uh, the, are these kind of, like, vast sculptures that sit off further across this campsite, and it all leads towards this magnificent, ridiculously-sized manor house. And everyone turns as one... And looks as this figure steps out onto the balcony in the center of the facing wall of the manor that you can all see. And this skeleton wearing pink robes and orange kind of scarves around him steps forward, and you can see this kind of almost like a hologram appears of him next to him, but at least 20, 30 feet tall, so everyone can see what he's doing. And he says,
2: Good evening,
0: ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Caradoon Hall. And that is where we'll pick up your story, Alaria, and the rest of everyone else's story in episode one.
1: Carradoon Hall.
0: Caradoon Hall. Hall. Excellent. There we go. Nice and easy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, I really enjoyed that. How did you find that? (laughs)
1: It was great fun. It's actually yeah. really nice to be able to play a <laughs> <laughs> But
0: yeah,
1: as I said, she's already quite the character. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to what happens in the in the it, knowing what I've got planned for episode one already, or like the first session for us. I'm already seeing a lot of very, very bad decisions on my end that lead to a lot of good decisions on a end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That was that was very nice. Thank you very much for joining me. Um is Thank there anything you. you want to uh want to shout or or do at the end of this or shall we shall we wrap up?
1: No. Okay.
0: No worries. Well, for our dear audience, um please come back next week if again if everything goes to plan, Touchwood, you'll be able to hear what Alaria is hearing. And, <laughs> and who this weird skeleton is, and who else is in the campsite? Next week, on the first episode of Campaign Two. Crazy. How are we already here? <laughs> but yes, uh, I will. Uh, I will. I will do the usual ending. Thank you very much for listening um, to the episode. Uh, please come back next week as always. You can find us yep. on the all all the the sites at Sixteen Candle Keeps or YouTube at Bingo Bang Bang. And uh, we shall see you next week. So, Jade, if you want to say bye, say bye.
1: Bye. Bye.